0: Jesus is coming again very soon. Jesus is coming again very soon. I have heard that my entire life. I've heard countless preachers say that. I don't know how many sermons I've heard, and, and preachers say that we need to be ready. Jesus is coming again very soon. Some some of the pastors close to me tell me they think it's going to be for sure in their lifetime. Jesus is coming again very soon. I can remember my old granny in and, and, and 20, 30, 40 years ago. She would say back then, look around. Look at our world today. Jesus is coming again very soon. Well, understand as Christians... That is really put into us. That is, that is our hope, that there is a day that Jesus is coming again very soon. That is part of our faith. We believe as, as folks saved through the, through the grace and the work of Jesus Christ, that there's going to be a day that Jesus is going to come and we're going to see him again. We, we talk about it. We embrace that. We sing about it. I was thinking about this morning uh, how many of our songs, and, I, and really you can make an entire list, how many of our songs talk about Jesus coming again and the time that we're going to be with Him? And you can think about these. What a day that shall be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the one that saved me by His grace. Or, or my favorite, the King is coming. The King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and soon His face I'll see. The King is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. As Christians, we say Jesus is coming again soon. Here's the deal. I do not think we believe it. And I'm gonna tell you very honestly, I think not really, I think we really do not believe it because listen to me today. If it did, wouldn't it change everything? If we believe Jesus was coming again very soon, if I believe Jesus might come again this afternoon or he might come this week or he might come in 2018, if I believe Jesus was coming again very soon, wouldn't it honestly change everything? I have known several people and they were told, one of them was told you have a month to live. Another one was told you have have about two weeks to live. Another one was a young man, and he was told, you've got a few days to live, and I watched them walk out those days. You know what? Everything changed. As I watched them go through those days, everything that seemed important to them, things that were at one time of great importance, all of a sudden, they were not that important, or things that they'd been putting off, things that they had, had thought, you know what, I'll get that to that at a later time. All of a sudden, those things became top priorities and, and their days all of a sudden weren't like any other person's days and, and time was valuable to them. Time was precious to them. They were very urgent in how they spent their days. There was no more time to waste. Well, if Jesus is truly coming again very soon, isn't that true for us? Isn't that the same for us? We, we say it, we love to sing it, but I, I'm just believing we really do not actually believe it. Here's the truth of this day, today. Jesus is coming again very soon and as believers, we are to live our lives, we are to order our lives according to that truth. That's the truth of this day. Jesus is coming again. Listen, he is coming again very soon. And as Christians, that is to, that is to change how we live our lives. That's to change the priorities we set in our lives. That's to change how we dictate the days and the course of our life. Today, as we continue moving through 2 Peter, we move now, we're continuing to move through the third chapter, Peter brings into sight This truth. Now, I'm going to read a set of verses to us and then we're going to go back and look at those verses. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3, today verses 3 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, today verses 3 through 9. Let me read those verses and then we'll come back and look at them. Starts off and it says this Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. "...following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water." But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Verse nine, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Peter's gonna bring that to, to our view today. Peter's gonna bring that to mind today, the urgency of the truth that we live in the days when Jesus is coming again very soon. Now let's look at our verses piece by piece. Look at verse three, listen to verse three. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust, Peter says this, know this, settle this, know this, be sure of this. In the last days, and he's talking about the days before Jesus comes, know this, in these last days, mockers are gonna come with their mocking. Now that word there, the Greek word, the original language there, is a word that's only used one time in the New Testament, and it means Literally scoffers. Get the picture of these people. They, they scoff, they mock, they, they make jokes of. Uh, it, it really means to exhibit derision. Now, they're not just laughing at you. They have contempt for you as they laugh at you. And so these mockers come. And the, and the Bible says, Peter says, following after their own lust. Now, remember that. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Here in these last days, be sure of it. Know it, Christian. These mockers are gonna come and they're gonna mock and they're gonna be following after their own lust. Verse four. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it has from the beginning of creation. He says the mockers come and they're mocking and they say, where is the promise of his coming? And that's what they do. They come and they say, where is the promise of his coming? What they're saying here is this is is not a real promise. And they use their example for ever since the fathers fell asleep, the, the leaders, the patriarchs, ever since they have died, have you not noticed that everything continues? Everything goes on just as it, as it always has, all the way back to creation. And so they say, this isn't a true promise. This isn't gonna happen. It continues on. Ever since the, the, the fathers died, everything is still the same. Now see the picture here. Here's what they're saying. They're saying this. Jesus is not coming again. That's what they're saying. Here's what they're really saying. God is a liar. That's what they're saying. God is a liar. Nothing has changed Day after day, the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And year after year, and how many years have we run through? And generation after generation, everything goes on. They're saying this, God is is a liar. Jesus is not coming again. Isn't that our tendency today as well? How many of us woke up today and thought, you know what, today may be the day Jesus comes back. How many of us looked at our kids in the eyes and said, you know what? I need to make sure they have a saving knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ because I might be somewhere at three o'clock and Jesus might come back. How many of us thought, you know what? The things I'm working for, I'm sure wasting a lot of time on things that aren't gonna have an eternal purpose. You know what? I need to reorder my life because Jesus is coming back. We wouldn't say God's a liar. We wouldn't say he's not coming back, but we practically live our lives in the same understanding. You know what, day after day, the sun comes up. Jesus really isn't coming back, at least not very soon. Now go back to the statement at the end of verse three. It says these mockers, the ones who come, the ones who are saying this, they're following their own lust. Now what that means is this, they are living their life like this is it. That's how they're living their life. They're living their life like it's all about the right now. We're all living for the right now. That's that's how they're living their life. They're they're feeding the desires of the right now. You know what, if it pays a dividend right now, that's what I'm going to do. If it brings me comfort right now, that's what I'm going to do. If it brings me pleasure and success right now, that's what I'm going to do. And they're feeding the desires of the right now. That's what that means. You see, If this is it, that makes a lot of sense. You know what? If this is it, if this is all there is, if Jesus isn't coming again very soon, that makes a lot of sense. Live it up. But they are living in the denial of the coming of Jesus. Because if he's coming again, it truly changes everything. Again, isn't that our world today? Isn't that our culture today? We live for the now. We act like everything's gonna happen right now. We act like all the big priorities are set from what happens right now. We believe the king is coming. We sing that, but you know what? We act like it's gonna be so far off. We're living for the right now. Nothing's different. Listen to verse five. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water now the word here escapes their notice that that phrase in the original language means they are willingly ignorant of now what that means is it is noticeable but they have chosen to not notice it and so it escapes their notice it is noticeable they have decided they have chosen they're not going to notice it. You see, for them to hold to that understanding, they are choosing not to see that God created the heavens and the earth. It says that there, it was formed out of water by water. It's talking about the fact that there was a point in creation where he separates the water from the atmosphere from the water of the earth, Genesis. That Then he separates the water on the earth and he pulls out dry land. That's what it's talking about. Understand, for them to hold to this truth, they have to deny that God is their creator. That's the only way they're gonna hold to this truth because if he was the creator and he is the creator, what he said about creation holds true, so what he says about the second coming also has to hold true. That's what he says. They're choosing not to see this. He continues verse six. Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Verse 6 is talking about the flood of judgment, Noah's flood. It says here, they choose not to see the truth of creation. They also choose not to see the truth of God's judgment, which happened through that, that global flood. Listen, what that means is this. They, in order to deny God's word in the present, they have to be willing to overlook God's faithfulness to his word in the past. It's the same today. Listen to me. If we're going to have to deny what God has said in the present, what God has promised in the the future, we have to be willing to set aside the faithfulness of God's word in the past. That's why there's an attack on the truth today. That's why there's an attack on the creation account today. That's why there's an attack on the literal words of God recorded in his Bible. That's why that attack exists. Because if that foundation's gone, we have no hope of putting validity in the promise of his coming again so it shows us here God is the creator and in creation, he reveals his power and his might. It reveals here God also judged through the flood, revealing his holiness, his his justice, showing his hatred for sin. And if you're gonna live like this is it, you're gonna have to overlook that. And that's what Peter's saying here. If you're gonna live like this is the goal, like this is the purpose, you're going to have to overlook the God of creation, the God of judgment of the flood, his power in both. And so Peter sets the foundation for what he's about to say. Here's the point to our message today. In Jesus' coming again, we as Christians are to be shaped by two things. If we believe it, We cannot be the same. We're not the same. If we believe Jesus is coming again, everything changes. And the reason for that change is shaped by two things. It's shaped by two truths. And the two truths are this. Here's the first one. You know why we're not the same? You know why we have a different priority set? You know why we have to be urgent? Because of these two truths. Here they are. The first one is this When he comes, listen. He's coming in judgment. Do you understand when Jesus comes, he's coming in judgment. Now that's not the message we hear a lot today. When, when Jesus comes, he's coming, the Bible says, as the right, righteous judge and he's coming to judge and he's coming and he's gonna carry out God's punishment of sin and of sinful people. I wanna tell you today, we've changed that. We've, we've softened that. A whole bunch of folks today have even removed that. When Jesus comes again, he's coming in judgment and he's coming as the righteous judge and he comes and he carries out God's wrath poured out towards sinners. Listen to Revelation chapter 19. In my Bible, it has a heading over the set of verses, and it says this The coming of Christ. Here's what the coming of Christ is going to look like according to God Himself. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. That's what it says he does, he judges and wages war. Listen to his his description. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh is a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, men, listen to me, Jesus is coming again soon, and when He does, he's going to judge sin, and he's going to judge sinners, and those found apart from Jesus Christ, those that have existed in their sin, those that are still in their sin, will have the wrath of God poured out on them. The song we sing. And, and then we we kind of celebrate when we sing it, but the song is a really pretty stark picture. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. You ever think about that picture for a second? He is trampling out the vintage here are the grapes of God's wrath stored up for 6,000 years. Every sin, every rebellion, every slight against the holy God, every rejection of his son Jesus stored up. He's patient and it's stored up. But when Jesus comes, he's going to trample out the vintage and it's going to rail up and it's going to pour down the sides and judgment's going to roll downhill. That's the picture of when Jesus comes again. That's the first truth. When he comes again, he's coming in judgment. Second truth is this, and get it, listen very carefully. When he comes, and listen. When he comes, his grace will no longer be offered to sinners. Did you hear that? When he comes, on that day when he comes, his grace will no longer be offered to sinners. The books on that day will forever be shut. And those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who haven't called upon him for the salvation from from their sin, those folks on that day forever will be lost. Listen to verse eight. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. They've, They've escaped it, but do not let it escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, verse eight is saying this. He is not slow. In fact, he's outside of time. And whatever we think is slow and whatever we think is fast doesn't matter because he's not on our schedule. And that's what verse eight says. You know what? He's not in our realm of time. And we may think it's slow. We may think it's fast. It doesn't matter either way. He's not working on our schedule. Verse nine. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish. One of my favorite verses in the Bible not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Listen to me God is gracious to sinners. God is slow to anger. He says that of himself. God sends his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him. What if your sin is so great? What if you've gone too far? Listen to me. He sends his son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. His desire is that not one should perish. Not one, not one of them would ever be lost. He leaves the 99. He goes in search of the one. His desire is that no one would perish but on that day, his promise will stand and his offering of grace will no longer be offered and the truth will rain down and judgment will roll downhill. And your brother outside, outside of Christ, your friend without Christ, your neighbor, your coworker without Christ, you without Christ will be damned to hell lost forever in the wrath of a mighty God. Peter says that's the truth of God, the promise of God. Peter says that's what will happen when Jesus comes again. Peter says that's what dictates our urgency in these days. Peter says that's what orders our life as those who are attempting to serve the cause of Jesus the Christ. Jesus is coming again. Very soon. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Jesus is coming again very soon. And if you believe it, what then would you do? I want to tell you two responses ought to burn in our stomachs today. First is this. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved. I don't know how to say that any any more plain. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen to me, you're not promised another day. You're not promised to make it through tonight. You better put your faith in Jesus Christ. He alone is our hope. He alone has paid the penalty for sin. He alone has taken the wrath of God towards sin. He alone offers grace through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus is coming again very soon. I would put my faith in Jesus Christ. Second truth is this if you've done that, you ought not slow down your pace. You ought not slow down your step. You ought to get up in the morning knowing those outside of a relationship with Christ will perish on that day. Oh, that we would tell them. Oh, that we would mirror His grace and we would tell them. Oh, that we would be urged and tell them there's going to be a day that it's going to be too late, but His grace is offered in this day. Oh, that we would tell them. If you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, settle it today. If you're here today and it's a settled fact, you know what? We ought to burn in our stomachs to go out and tell a lost and dying world about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Glad you're here. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Dearly, Father, we come and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for your love shown to me and shown to us as dumb, rebellious, arrogant, prideful sinners. Those who knew the right way and chose the wrong way. Those that knew what they ought to stop and kept doing it, reveled in it. Those who slandered your name. Those who rejected your love. You love us. You show us grace and you forgive us through the cross of Calvary, and by faith in, in Jesus. And so we thank you for that. I, I praise the name of our Savior, Jesus. I pray for some men in this room that, that today, maybe they're coming to the understanding they've never settled there. Maybe they've never heard it. Maybe today they're hearing it for the, for the first time. Maybe they've heard it a million times. But I pray for today, that today would be the day they say, I understand in my sin, I'm condemned, Lord. But I understand the grace of God through the work of Calvary, by faith in Jesus, I could be saved. I pray that today would be that day. And then I pray for us today here as followers of Christ. I ask that you forgive us where we've wasted too many days. I ask that you forgive us where we've taken up the wrong cause. I ask that you forgive us where we've sought our good instead of your glory. But I ask on this day, whether we're 22 or 42 or 82, that we would be renewed in the purpose and the mission that you've left us here for, to lead people to the hope that stands in Jesus Christ. Forgive us for wasted days. Help us use every remaining breath for the glory of our Savior Jesus. I pray for the men here today. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, guide them, renew them. Lead us by your word. Empower us through your spirit. Lord, we look forward to a day we'll see our Savior's face. The King is coming. Praise God.